Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, and that includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna Taylor is a nonprofit consultant here from Wisconsin. Jorna. Morning, Wisconsin. Good to have you, Jorna. And as always, we have Robert Craig. Robert is not in the office with us, and Robert is the Executive Director at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. Robert is on the road, headed for a busy day here, and we record every Thursday morning. And uh, this week, we have to talk about what's been happening in the legislature around essentially an attack on both the Government Accountability Board, actually an ending of the Government Accountability Board as we know it, and uh, campaign finance changes. We talked extensively last week with Jay Heck about these, about this uh, legislation and what was uh, impending this week. And we have another guest this week to carry on the conversation and give us an update as to what happened this week in the legislature, but also sort of look forward. And that is Matthew Rothschild. Matthew is the executive director of Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. And I think most people know him as the, the former uh, editor and longtime uh, writer at the Progressive Magazine. Matthew, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Crazy week, sad week here in Wisconsin, but it's not over yet. There's still still a fight going on, so I haven't uh, totally uh, written off the week. So, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have been around the state a long time, and so you have some historic perspective on sort of what's happened this week and uh, what we face. Why don't you just give us your sort of analysis of sort of what's happened and, and put put it in perspective, uh, given your, your long history? Well, I've been here 35 years, and I've never seen anything quite like this. And I know when I got here, Wisconsin had a reputation as a squeaky queen, uh, clean place that if you bought someone a cocktail at lunch uh, who was a politician, you'd go to jail for it. And now we've, we're getting to an era where corruption is just rampant. And what's going on now with the Republicans in the state assembly, in the state senate, and with Governor Walker is, you know, cronyism and corruption, you know, to the nth degree. And so we saw part of that earlier this week when legislators carved out an exception for themselves and only for themselves from the John Doe law. Uh, This is a get-out-of-jail-free card they gave themselves. And, you know, this is uh, favoritism and feathering their own nests. And I think when a majority of people in Wisconsin see this, they're going to be even more disgusted with politics under the Capitol Dome, especially with the Republicans. And they've been uh, even now, and maybe Walker's numbers will drop down to the freezing point. Uh, They're getting close anyway. Uh, The other thing that's happening is this assault on the Government Accountability Board. Republicans, uh, vindictive like Richard Nixon, are angry that there was even a John Doe investigation and that the Government Accountability Board cooperated with the John Doe. Uh, They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. They don't want a John Doe prosecutor to tell them what to do. They don't want a government accountability board to say that there's some illegal activity going on. So they're trying to destroy the government accountability board. Uh, That may not go through. There are some uh, decent, uh, a few Republican state senators who have some qualms about this. And we're urging people to contact their state senators and and urge them not to go along with destroying the Government Accountability Board and turning it back into two partisan boards, an ethics board and an elections board. Uh, And when that was the case back in uh, 2000, 2001, we had the caucus scandal here because the partisans weren't uh, blowing the whistle on anybody. We don't want to go back to those uh, bad days. To me, the most destructive thing, though, is this uh, bill to rewrite the campaign finance law of Wisconsin and to allow 
unlimited contributions to political parties, to political committees. Uh, before, there was a $10,000 limit on what anybody could give to a political party. Uh, now it's going to be unlimited. Uh, worse even still is this idea that uh, you can give an unlimited amount of money to a so-called independent group, and then that so-called independent group can coordinate with the candidate. Uh, nowhere in the country is this allowed. Nowhere under the Citizens United decision is this allowed. And so Wisconsin is a real outlier on this, and it just renders meaningless our ability to control uh, campaign contributions and our ability to have meaningful disclosure and know who's giving money. Essentially what's going on with this campaign finance bill is that the Republicans in the legislature are turning the citizens of Wisconsin into mere spectators and blindfolded spectators at that. We're not going to have a, a, a decent say as to who our candidates are because we're not going to be able to cough up unlimited amounts of money like the uh, Koch brothers are. And then we're not even going to know that the Koch brothers are giving that money because they're doing it in the dark. Our democracy is going to be drowning in a sea of dark money here in Wisconsin. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I've got, you know, a few favorite things of this current debate going on, and I, I say favorite tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, you mentioned back into the early 2000s when we had the state elections board and how corruption was sort of rampant and, and was allowed and was just kind of par for the course. You know, this whole thing it, that the revamping of the Government Accountability Board is, is going to be exactly that, right? I mean, oh, but I think it's nice that they will allow the current current Government Accountability Board staffers to keep their jobs <laughs> through this bill. Um, one of the things that I just have to say is that we've watched both Democrats and Republicans abuse this kind of system, right? So just because Republicans are in power right now and would appoint their cronies to the board, let's let's not think that when Democrats are in power that the same thing wouldn't happen as well, even though, you know, right now we have to, we progressives have to be on the attack to say that this isn't an ethical thing. So, you know, thank you for the work that your organization is doing in coalition with a number of other statewide organizations and Citizen Action and, um, you know, League of Women Voters and all those great groups. But, um, you know, do you think there's any hope that we're going to actually be able to stop any of this? I do think so. Uh, I, I think there's been a tremendous uh, effort by some of the groups that you just mentioned to contact their memberships and have their members contact legislators. I think the legislators are starting to feel the heat. I think a few of those Republican moderate state senators uh, know in their heart of hearts that these are bad bills. Maybe they, they just won't go along. I mean, Scott Walker doesn't have the power he had before uh, since he embarrassed himself so badly in the primaries, Republican nomination effort to, to, to scare these people. And at some point, I would think that a, a Republican state senator uh, who's been in for a while is going to say, do I really need this? Do I really need to be told what to do by, you know, the Speaker of the Assembly, for instance, uh, and is my job that important to me that I can't stand up on principle? You know, the happiest man in Wisconsin today is Dale Schultz, former Republican Senate Majority Leader, because he stood up to this power. He stood up to this uh, group of people in his own party who were trying to tell him what to do, and then the powers behind the party, Alec and the Koch brothers, and he just said, you know what? You guys are wrong, and I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do, and I don't care if I'm not a state senator anymore. And so uh, he's happy. These other state senators could be happy in the same way. But these uh, Republicans, you're right, Jordan, they think they're going to be in power forever. And they're not going to be in power forever. No one's in power forever. And they're setting up a system that were the Democrats in power, you know, in 10 years, 
which they very well may be, you know, they could use some of these same uh, bills to solidify their own seat in power. And, and that's what's what's really wrong and corrupt with what's going on. The other thing is their campaigns are just they're built on lies, one lie after another. You mentioned the Government Accountability Board. I mean, it's a lie that the staff was going behind the back of the board. The last audit said so. It's a lie that they're unaccountable to the people since, you know, the governor appoints them and the Senate confirms them, uh, and then the Audit Bureau inspects them. I mean, it's a lie that they exceeded their authority in the John Doe. The Wisconsin statutes give them that authority, and yet they've repeated these lies over and over and over again, uh, That uh, so much so that many people in the Republican Party anyway in power seem to believe them, or at least they're uh, mouthing them, parroting them. I mean, it's it's a joke. So, Matt, this is Robert. So uh, we can't judge what's really going on based on the rhetoric about it. Uh, that's your point here. What do you think is really going on? Because if you look at it, uh, you're both uh, getting rid of the, the watchdog, but you're also gutting the laws that uh, that politicians could violate in the first place. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly extraordinary act, and it seems like it creates a system if you look forward, that's much closer. It's a modern version of the 19th century system rather than modernization, as they call it, because literally it will be possible to bribe politicians without even knowing who's trying to do it and make public policy literally something done in the dark uh, to the highest bidder and makes and essentially makes bribery legal. Um, so do you think that this push obviously isn't coming from the public? There's no public outcry for more money in politics. Uh, so do you think that there are large interests in the state, the traditional lobby corps, that actually want this and are pushing for this? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you have, you know, uh, Americans for Prosperity congratulating the legislators on what, they, what they've just done. I mean, they issued a statement that uh, you can find at, you know, the Wheeler Report uh, congratulating them. Uh, so the, the big picture is that uh, this move to change these laws wasn't about improving democracy, wasn't about good government, quite the contrary. It's going to lay out the red carpet for corruption and blatant bribery. But the, And the bet is the people who are pushing this through, Americans for Prosperity, Alex, the Koch brothers, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, their bet is that they've got more billionaires and multi-multi-millionaires than the Democrats have, and that they'll just be able to outspend and then just drown out uh, uh, the forces on the other side and keep power. That's what it is. It's just a power grab. It's one power grab after another, uh, and they have no interest whatsoever in democracy or clean government. Well, I want to follow up quickly on Matt, on your assessment that um, this potentially could be defeated. And it's worth noting that there were three Republican legislators in the Assembly who voted against the gutting of Gab. Uh, and we have heard uh, Senator Olson has, we like to call him the, uh, Robert, is he's the lion of Ripon because he loves to occasionally roar about these problems, but in the end seems to vote for him. But he has been roaring again, uh, su suggesting that uh, the, the Gab bill that he couldn't support it and has suggested that there are a number of other state senators out there and that is worth our listeners noting and in, important that you continue to make calls into your state senator. We'll have the hotline on our website. We're continuing to encourage people and we are also making calls 
to our members in these targeted districts. And so if you're interested in that, we'll also have a link on our website where you can get involved in helping make those calls uh, into uh, targeted state Senate districts. So really want to encourage those calls. Uh, Matt, if folks want to get involved with your with your organization, the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, how, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to get involved in, in the good work that you do? Yeah, uh, the best way is just to go up to our website. It's WISD for democracy and C for campaign, WISDC.org. And you can see all that we're doing. We have a, an alert up on our website today, Save the GAB Today, Stop Big Money. And it's got the phone numbers and emails of four of those state senators who are who are uh, expressing a conscience on this, and we're urging people to call them. Uh, I do think this can be defeated, this assault on the GAB, and I hope the assault on campaign finance as well. Not a done deal yet, and we can't, we can't give up. Well, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to join us, and of course, um, uh, thanks for all the years of work that you've done to educate uh, folks here in the state. Well, I appreciate what you're doing, too. I mean, it's an invigorating battle, and I'm excited by all the great work that Citizen Action is doing and our other allies are doing, uh, Common Cause in Wisconsin, League of Women Voters, People for the American Way, just a lot of great groups working together, and and I think over the long haul we're going to get our state back. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk more down the road. Sounds good. So with that, we want to talk a little bit about our Congressman Paul Ryan. Woohoo! Woohoo, yes. My favorite. Nope. Oh, so, Jorna, why is he your favorite? Is it his dashing good looks, his commitment to family, his bedrock Republican conservative principles? What is it about Congressman Ryan or his leadership? His ability to potentially become the Speaker of the House. Actually, I think it's that ad that you all may recall from when he was running for vice president, where he was in his workout wear that really sort of does it for me. Um, it's, It's no secret to many of my peers that I have an obsession with the 1st Congressional District, and I cannot understand why we continue to not invest in it as progressives and, you know, try and make a dent into him. But, so Paul Ryan... Congressman Ryan has made this grandiose statement that if he, you know, he will be the sacrificial lamb and he will be the speaker if everybody wants him to be, woe is him having to take on a leadership role like that. The burden is big for Paul Ryan. I mean, what a farce, right? This is just like, beg me to do this because they are so dysfunctional up in Congress that they cannot get their, you know, crap together and so now they're begging Paul Ryan to do it from many flanks but he has said he will only do it if he can get the you know universal endorsement of all of the various factions let's not call them caucuses the crazy faction you mean all of them are relatively crazy let's be honest um but now you know he wasn't going to do it unless it was universal but then the freedom caucus which i I hope they eat freedom fries in the uh house cafeteria on wednesdays (laughs) and you know freedom dressing and they use freedom ketchup freedom friday hashtag god um you know he's now got a super majority of them but not all of them but he's still gonna do it so uh, give me a break this is ridiculous Robert, you're also a known Paul Ryan watcher. What are your What are your thoughts? Well, this is a, a very old kind of stance or genre. Uh, back in the 18th century, when we first had a large scale democracy, it used to be reckless. 18th century. Okay. Wow. All right. Keep going, Robert. Sorry. 
Matt, I know this is hard on your brain. Yeah, it's hard. That it's the, you're hurting my brain. Yeah, that the uh, statesman had to be called to service and never really wanted to serve. And they used to write these long speeches about how they would do it, even though it's torture, and even though they're leaving their families when these are the most ambitious men you can imagine. So we're just seeing that kind of exercise, right, which is, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I guess it's a little unclear. It's not unclear whether the Freedom Caucus has met uh, Paul Ryan's ante or not, uh, which is there's a bizarre story there. But here's the interesting thing. How does he meet their ante? I mean, Paul Ryan has been proposing he's going to be a leader on poverty. He's taken a couple steps in our direction, talked about expanding your income tax credit and giving uh, low-income working women and uh, a lot more services and connecting the services in order to connect them to opportunity. How is that going to square with getting the Freedom Caucus to uh, support his speakership? So I think we'll see the, all of that kind of think towards doing something about poverty abolished in this whole process once he becomes speaker, uh, just as you know, we've seen in the budgets that he's introduced, which, of course, did not do anything but make poverty much worse, just for example. Uh, so this is a very ambitious politician. Uh, we saw it in his bromance with Mitt Romney, and now we're going to, now you have a bromance with the Freedom Caucus and become our speaker, most likely. Robert just learned the term bromance, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to use it a lot. Look, one of, one of the interesting things, Robert, you mentioned what, uh, what was his big thing that he was holding out for. Well, it appears he was holding out for family time, right? That was the, the big push, right, that Paul Ryan really valued time with his family. Look, um, I actually think this is good that this is out there, as swarmy as it all kind of is, and, and especially given the guy's voting record, right? This guy has voted against family leave for regular working people multiple times. There is a long list of things that he has done that have not really supported giving regular families the freedom and opportunity, uh, speaking of their caucuses, uh, to really access that. And so I actually glad that he did this because I think it's going it needs to be brought up regularly. And I it hopefully puts the notion that we ought to be concerned not just about Paul Ryan's family and Paul Ryan's ability to 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 raise his family, but everybody's and, and how that's an important conversation within our economy. So, you know, that's actually been an interesting wrinkle to this, uh, in spite of Robert, this, as you mentioned, is a historically old kind of dance that's going on. He kind of opened up this this flank about uh, what working families actually need. Well, and I would also say that I, I hope that voters, particularly in the first congressional district in Wisconsin, will see through this martyr act that he's pulling and, you know, being this sort of sacrifice for the cause. Um, because, you know, politics are different than they were in the 18th century. Not that I was around. Not that I have. Come on now. I'm not as read come, up as Robert is either on the uh, on the cause. But they were wigs back then when they were on the you know floor of the <laughs> House uh, and Trump Senate. Is, so. Trump is. Come on. True. There are there are some wigs on the floor. Anyway, you know, it's a different it's a different sort of call to politics these days and a call to service than it was back then. And I don't think that he's adhering to any sort of um, call to his party. He is more than happy to step into this role and be more powerful than he already is. And what's going to happen here? is what he's trying to bridge a divide here. And a lot of pundits want to say this is a thankless job because you can't unify the Republican caucus. This is a divide between establishment Republicans that just want to enrich the various interests behind the Republican Party and kind of a Tea Party extreme, which they generated as a tactic against Obama, 
which actually believes in their rhetoric and actually wants to obstruct and close down government, and that would harm not just average people. They don't care as much about that, but it'll harm those various interests that feed at the trough. And so how does he bridge that? How does he find a way to, to um, please the fire eaters, to use another uh, archaic term, uh, but also get business done for the people who actually fund uh, the Republican Party? And so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge political challenge to figure that out, but maybe Paul Ryan's up to the task. I do want to. I want to pause here a little bit on on the Paul Ryan is uh, the establishment uh, moderate, or no one's ever said moderate. I I'll take that back. But let's remember this guy will be one of the most conservative uh, speakers that we've had. So it just kind of does show how the Tea Party and the conservative movement has successfully uh, changed. Certainly, both the national debate and discussion, but definitely while within the Republican Party, we're we're seeing that play out. Uh, speaking of wigs again, Jorna, we're seeing that play out uh, in the presidential race. So certainly. Um, uh, Paul Ryan is an example of that. He is now the sensible glue to hold the party together, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, he would have been on the far right wing of of, of, of respectable politics. And speaking of presidential he, races. Yes, let's do that, Jorna. Segway. What do, you, what do you have to offer, Jorna, here on the presidential? I have a poll from St. Norbert's that oh, was released. St. Norbert's. You know, and, and the Knights, right? I feel like we have a love-hate relationship with the St. Norbert's polls. Well, from let's time love it to today. Let's, 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 let's love it. So progressives, let's, let's, love, it. let's love up right. on the St. Norbert's poll that basically says that um, Walker's disapproval is at its highest. Um, and Hard to believe. Right. And um, one in three voters say that they want him to run for another term. That's, you know. Pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> it it also shows that while, you know, we still don't necessarily agree with the direction that the country is going, Obama's approval ratings are over 50 percent, 51. But hey, you know what? That's called a majority and wins an election for me. Look, one of the most important things that this poll found is it's at uh, it's it, that the. People saying the wrong direction of the state, which is a question that people think is really important to ask, is now at the worst number since 2003. And, you know, so certainly the worst through the Walker administration. And, and one of the big reasons, Jordan, you mentioned the presidential run has certainly not helped them. But the the folks' analysis of what the economy is has completely plummeted in the last year it was over 50 percent people thought the economy was doing well and it's now under it's 38 percent i believe in this poll I think the economy is doing well that is that is um a fundamental change we have talked a lot on this podcast about what's been wrong with the approach to economic opportunity we've talked about what we think ought to be happening but these numbers show sort of this hollow quite frankly disastrous uh uh economic agenda that uh, Governor Walker and the GOP have pursued. Yes, and uh, actually, if folks want to see all of the details, they're on our website under our economic opportunity agenda. But it's not just that we've had anemic job creation numbers well below the national average, a gap of 90,000 jobs is what we would have if we grew up the national average versus what's happened under Walker. But it's that all of the net increase in jobs is in low-income, poverty-wage jobs. And so that is hurting people. People are working full-time and still can't afford the basics. And so it's not just Walker touting the unemployment rate going slightly down, also a flawed measure, both because it doesn't measure 
whether they're a good job. It doesn't measure the people who have been discouraged and are out of the workforce altogether. And so this is reflected in the polls. People do not think it's economic good times and don't think the cheerleading of Governor Walker, Weedak, or the business and corporate leaders behind him has any, has any really reflects their lives and their struggles. So while that's all true, can we just talk for one second about the uh, horse race numbers that came out of this? Giddy up. Giddy up, because I, I like You like him. horses, I, I hear, I do Jordan. like horses. So tell us a little bit about the race. So, you know, as of yesterday, and, and this poll was in the field before Joe Biden announced that he is not running for president. That was ground shaking. So w- all of his supporters... Went to, oh, that's right. Okay, nothing. Hey. Okay. Hey, oh, sorry. We love Joe. I would Joe. have been with Crazy Uncle Joe. Well, you know, good for you. But he's, anyway, he's, he's, not running, running but, Joe's you know. Not a, Joe's out. Joe's out. Count so, him out. you know, Hillary winning over Bernie. Feel the burn, hashtag. Um, but what I am fascinated by is Wisconsin Republicans' love of Ben Carson. <laughs> I am absolutely fascinated fascinated by this and you know having worked a caucus um, I'm sorry not a caucus a primary state having worked in New Hampshire in 2008 um, you know I know how crazy it is in some of those states right now in those early primary states and and Ben Carson we we like Ben Carson here fascinating I, I'm curious what people see in him I think it's the hardline social conservative Robert well, and it, it is news in this poll that Bernie Sanders is running very close to Hillary Clinton. And so I think, I think the Sanders campaign has changed the debate fundamentally, and I think it's making Hillary a better candidate. Uh, but he's raised, not only raising issues, he is again saying that great things are possible in this country. There's no reason we couldn't have uh, free college tuition uh, like we used to have in the 1960s in many states. Uh, and we just decided not to do it. And we claim that Somehow we're prevented from doing it because conservatives have imposed a pessimism about America upon everyone else and upon our mindset. And so I think Bernie is opening up issues. Whether he can actually be elected president is an open question, but it's been a highly constructive campaign, and there are a lot of progressives across the state supporting Bernie Sanders, which is reflected in this poll. Robert, we've talked about this in the past, about one of the issues around sort of the Democrats and having a strong economic message or what that might even be that people could say, oh, yeah, I'm going to support that because I know that's going to make a difference in my life and and that that's a real struggle for, for, for folks and that you know, when we did focus groups, we found a lot of folks found themselves more aligned with the interests of their business or corporation that they worked for because they understood directly that their their personal situation was going to be much more directly tied to that. That that there what is being offered in sort of the minimal scope, I think, for the last few decades by progressives and in, in, in our party has not inspired people. And when you start to talk about a free education, you start to talk about you know, these kinds of things, not having to, you know, have mortgages that you'll never pay back or things like this. Those are things that actually start to inspire people. And as you said, it's not a negative thing the way it's been pitched us. It actually is inspiring and gives people hope again that their lives and their children's lives could actually be fundamentally different than what they've seen, certainly for the last eight years or, or, or 10 years, right? And where things have been a struggle uh, in this country. So it, clearly potentially tapping into into that kind of desire for hope. And it's about, it's not fake modernization like the right or the Republican reason for gutting our campaign finance laws. It's real modernization. If you think what Bernie Sanders' pitch on college tuition, uh, he said that when we used to have, when we guaranteed free education up to high school, 
decades and decades ago, a high school diploma guaranteed you access to a good job, and a college education is the new high school education. And so we are simply adapting with the times and providing the same guarantee to get the education you need to succeed in our uh, economy uh, to everyone. And so it, it makes a lot more sense than going back to the Gilded Age uh, and going back to, to legal bribery, which is what we see from conservatives. And I, this may also help an, answer Jorna's question on Ben Carson, right? The other side is experiencing a, a similar situation where where their base is kind of like they're just tired. They, they, don't, they look at Jeb Bush and— they probably don't have a lot of confidence that most of their aspirations are going to be achieved through a Jeb Bush. And and while Ben Carson or Donald Trump will not deliver on many of theirs because they're crazy and there's no way anyone could possibly agree with everything they say, there may be some inspiration that, well, at least that person is going to go shake things up, get something done, do something different that might actually achieve something it's a very Scott I've been Walker caring sort of. about. Yes, it is part of what the, the appeal is of Walker to their base. The achieving part is destroying any democratic government ability to do anything. Unfortunately, that's the achievement they want, but I think you're right other, uh, in your general, general theme. Well, well, I do have to say, though, um, I think the the reason that Bernie is up in the polls in Wisconsin has to be because of Larry David's performance <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. If you haven't seen yes. it, it is worth the 10 minutes of your yes. life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> By the way, I actually think that's extraordinarily helpful to him because... Um, it's fascinating yes, and well, amazing. <laughs> yes, anyways. Well, we've spent a, this has been a great conversation, but we have to uh, move forward. Robert, I know uh, before we get to your favorite part of the show... Uh, there was some some activity that Citizen Action's doing, aside from what's been going on in the legislature around Senator Ron Johnson and uh, prescription drug costs and potential premium hikes in Medicare. Tell us about it. Well, it's important to understand about Senator Johnson is, is that his entire health care policy constitutes tearing down the Affordable Care Act. Otherwise, he's got nothing. And I'm taking away health care from congressional staff, which has been one of his crusades. And so we're facing a situation where because of a, of a quirk in federal law, Medicare premiums are going to skyrocket for a large number of people, the largest increase ever. And Senator uh, Johnson is doing nothing about it. And one of, one of the main things feeding this is rampaging prescription drug costs, which, of course, Johnson and conservatives don't want to do anything about. In fact, they forbid, Johnson didn't do it, but he supports it, uh, having Medicare negotiate, both purchasing to negotiate the lower prescription drug rates. And so we're doing an action Thursday. Uh, obviously, it's after the, the podcast actually um, hits internet waves, I should say, or, uh, against Ron Johnson and, and trying to put pressure on him. Hundreds of people have sent in prescription drug bottles with their own message to Senator Johnson in it, and those will be delivered to Senator Johnson on Thursday afternoon. So, folks, uh, and by the way, f- please feel free to contact Senator Johnson's office and tell him he needs feel to feel free. He loves it. Uh, he does need to get off the bench on this one, and this is an issue where you know this guy's. Uh, Jorna, you read the polling numbers. They're not nice. not doing so good. Uh, he might want to consider that uh, there's a couple issues he's going to need to change his position on. This would certainly be one uh, that would have. Uh, broad spectrum this cuts across uh conservative liberal uh all folks need health care so all right robert you're gonna get us rolling because nobody gets the furlough rolling like craig weekend what's going on down there in the garden district i don't live in the garden district that's because it's not ah, a that's because it doesn't exist 
the neighborhoods of Milwaukee and how some of them have been named by the city without their residents knowing it, <laughs> Milwaukee, uh, as part of quote-unquote revitalization. So, unfortunately, uh, the, my Cubs crashed and burned, so no playoff baseball this week. They did. And could have anticipated, so wait till next year, except it's such a young team that actually might uh, have credibility this time. It's ho- to next year, I'm afraid. It's for Cubs fans. Robert, it's really um, Robert. It's really hard to believe Back to the Future Two, uh, a sequel, wasn't accurate. I, I'm I'm shocked. Well, I was uh, coming home from work yesterday, driving down Connecticut Street at the Avalon Theater in Bayview, and what was in front but a uh, yeah a DeLorean uh, a DeLorean car. Yes, uh, so apparently this was making a stop or someone playing this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At, uh, at the Avalon, but it is college football season, and uh, my undergraduate alma mater, the Pitt Panthers, are ranked in the top 25 and playing their uh, arch-rival Syracuse, so I am planning to watch that on Saturday morning. Other than that, I'm sure I'll be planning a very exciting uh, weekend schedule, That Well, get out on that bike, Robert. It's going to be a good weekend. Jorna, what are you doing? I'm going to stay home and read 18th century political history. Excellent. And, Excellent. Um, it's just like today. <laughs> uh, they, I, like they all liked horses and rode them, you know. That's right. They even jousted on them, I heard. I would like to joust. That would be great. Yeah. Um, no, I'm actually going to be up in scenic Door County again, riding uh, Reno and nice. picking apples on horseback. And then he is going to move down here this after this weekend, so I will no longer be... Is he moving in with George? He will be moving next door to George, because George Does is George a little picky. George get to keep the penthouse? Obviously. All right, good. He's All the right. chosen horse. Otherwise, <laughs> we're going to have to throw you off the show if you uh, do anything to damage George. So, yeah, this weekend I will be uh, spending time with the family. We're going to go to a haunted house. That's Woo-hoo! For people who don't know my wife, she is obsessed with Halloween. I believe our house was decorated for Halloween just shortly after Labor Day. It might have been done on Labor Day. Uh, so, yeah, she's obsessed, and my kids are too. So we'll be going to at least one haunted house this weekend. So very much looking forward to that. Should be fun. Anyways, with that, we want to thank Matthew Rothschild for joining us earlier in the show. And as always, we want to thank Brian Woolridge, our producer, who makes this happen. Thank you, Brian. And we will see everybody next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. Wisconsin.